Jack Stuss Homestuck is a self-indulgent podcast featuring a heart player encouraging you to be self-indulgent too. Welcome home. Welcome back to Jaxta's Homestuck. Today we'll be talking about Equius and Terezi's Pester Quest routes. <laughs> so Equius, I'll be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of Equius. I mean, lately I, I've gotten, like before the Pester Quest route came out, I begun to appreciate Equius more and more thanks to wonderful fans out there who make a lot of great content and talk about Equius and just like seeing other people appreciate a character makes me appreciate the character because like, Hey, they've got something going for them. I mean, not in all cases, but in a lot of them, especially with homestuck characters. Um, but yeah, at first I really didn't want to see that fucker on any goddamn page, but I I've started liking Equius a lot more. And this route really helped with that. Like, I really like the point of view that we got about Equius in this route. And I think, I mean, I'm not on Twitter. I, I can only, most of the people I'm talking to about Equius's route already liked Equius. But I get the feeling that it's helping other people appreciate Equius more as well, which is what we want. Like, that's what we want from these Pester Quest routes is to gain a deeper appreciation of the character, even if they're still not your favorite. So, um... So I really like it. I think this was a really well-written route. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I like what it's done. Um, so what I like about what we explored with Equius is how he's so unsure of what he's supposed to do. Like, he doesn't know how to just figure out what he wants and then do it. So he clings on to what's expected of him by society in order to define himself and figure out how to behave. He has his own exceptions, his own loopholes in the system, and he exploits those to allow himself to feel and behave how he actually wants when he does know what he wants. But overall, he relies heavily on what society says. It really throws him for a loop when you show up because he doesn't know your blood color he doesn't really know what you are in general. And so he ends up both uh, yelling at you and apologizing and demanding things from you until he eventually settles on the fact that, oh, you go around making friends? Fine. You do this friendship thing. I'm going to sit back. You take the lead. I command you. So that's classic Equius, though. And I, I think this aspect of Equius... And his route actually verbalizes things a lot of us feel or, or felt, especially as young teens, even if we didn't realize it at the time. I know I at least had a hard time finding the script everyone else seemed to have memorized and struggled to define myself based on the expectations presented to me. Little did I know a lot of that had to do with me being super fucking queer, but I digress. Point is, I really appreciated this insight to Equius's character. Uh, the writer did 
a really great job with him, and it's clear that the writer appreciated him. Also, we got another taste of canon is what you want, but even though it comes so quickly after the last very obvious in-your-face canon is what you want it to be and isn't real and do what you want, uh, I think this was done really, really well. So, Reader tries to go back and see how Equius broke his horn, but since this was never stated in the first seven acts of Homestuck, instead of giving us an explanation, we're thrust into this weird tri-dimensional state where we see three distinct possibilities of how it could have went down, with the implication being that more possibilities existed. Equius's past is undefined and full of multiple possibilities, and it's up for us to decide what we want, what we think went down, how we headcanon it. I feel this was more subtle and felt more in line with typical Pester Quest and Friendsome shenanigans, so I really enjoyed it, even if, again, I was a little, little teensy put off just because we had a lot of that in the last route. It was also pointed out that this whole different ways that Equius broke his horn thing may have been a reference to some Paradox Space comics where every time Equius showed up, he'd break his horn in a completely different way. Not sure how intentional that was, but either way, it was great. So on to Terezi. Um, so I love Terezi. I love how Terezi was written. It was very much the goblin core we wanted. She is our beloved gross murder lawyer, and it's great. I do have a few nitpicks with it, but overall, I have to say I love this route. So, speaking of nitpicks, I wasn't a fan of the first bad ending. I know that we now have trigger warnings for routes uh, as of the last set of routes, but sometimes... Okay, I'll be honest, with these, I haven't super looked into the trigger warnings, but based on stuff I remember seeing in them, whenever I kind of glanced through them from last route, and based on how they seem to be treated in the epilogues, not to say that What Pumpkin doesn't take trigger warnings seriously at all. I would never say that. They do have legitimate trigger warnings in there, but... They also put stuff in there that's just not quite as serious. And I just don't want to read it. One, because I don't want to be spoiled on things because What Pumpkin wanted to make a joke in Trigger Warnings. Um, and two, I just, I don't know. I, I don't like looking at Trigger Warnings unless it's 100% serious. And yeah, so I'm just kind of off-put of the trigger warnings in this. But after this route, I think I need to start paying them more attention. Thankfully, for me and my specific situation, my trigger is highly specific and it's a fairly common trigger. So I rarely have to deal with it without, without it being very, very obvious that it's coming up. But this bad end? I know it's not the first time we've unwittingly caused the death of a character, but this is just shocking, I guess. That end card was a lot to take in. I don't necessarily think this was objectively bad, just that I personally could have definitely done without it. I do think it was neat that we pulled Terezi into T-Pose Man's domain, 
and that she was familiar with similar areas from her dreams. I don't know if that's a reference to something in Homestuck I've forgotten about, because there's a lot about Homestuck I've forgotten about, because it's fucking long, and sometimes little things are thrown in there. But um, if it's not, or even if it is, I hope that's something that we explore in future pester quests. I also like her, okay, this is weird. I, I like her mini breakdown. Again, odd to say that you, uh, but again, we're talking about characters and routes and narratives. And I like her breakdown over the Alternian justice system and Alternia in general. I like that we confront her with, okay, so you want to kill me over the same thing that you won't kill Carcat over. Don't you think the whole thing's kind of fucked? And she's like, of course I think it's fucked, you fuck. So I, I really like that. But then in the middle of the breakdown, we kind of got too, for me personally, we got too far into Riska only did what she had to in order to survive because society has failed us all sort of territory. But I did like the general message of society pitting them against each other so they couldn't focus on the big picture of what's actually wrong. Because if that ain't a fucking mood, take a look around. I'm gonna get back to the Vriska bit in a bit. Bit, bit. But uh, let's move on to Terezi's second bad end, uh, which involves Gamsey. And I, I do like it as a bad end. Maybe it's just refreshing after the first bad end was horrifying. But um, because, like, I mean, society sucks. Let's chill out with some clown asshole and get high. It's also a mood. Not when you're 13, kids. Don't do drugs. But, you know. And then, like, my friends pointed out that it felt more Gamzy core, I guess, this bad end did, than most or the entirety of Gamzy's actual route. Like, it felt like we got more Gamzy out of this. And I have to agree. I liked it. I... I like seeing Gamsey. Um, I, I do have someone who pointed out some issues that they took with this being one of the bad ends, but I will also get to that in a bit. So, back to the first bit. <laughs> Terezi's good end. I like the idea of it in theory, of Terezi realizing that Friska's Lussus is dead, that Friska is trying to be better, and going and forgiving Friska. I like the idea in theory, but I don't feel like it had the emotional impact it was supposed to, especially from the context of seeing this through readers' eyes. I feel bad because I'm, I feel like I'm picking on Friska a lot just because like she was in the last route and now she's in this one and I'm having problems with both. But because I do genuinely like Vriska. Like, I love Vriska as a character. And maybe I think she's just one of those characters that we all feel has to be done a certain way. And whenever she's not done that way, it's like, mm, but you have the wrong interpretation of Vriska. I'm right. So I'm, I'm really trying to avoid that. I'm, I'm trying to avoid saying this is Definitely 100% the case, in my opinion, is right. If you liked seeing Vriska, that's great. This was more for you than it was for me. And that's fine. Things don't have to be for me, because I'm just some fucking jackass here. Anyway, so, okay, so let's get into to why I think this. So, 
uh, my first issue with this is Terezi is saying that the bad things that she has done are just as bad as what Vriska has done. Maybe if this was the only issue I saw, I wouldn't think to take note of it here because I do see how Terezi would reach this conclusion. And it's nice to have this side of Terezi saying like she enjoyed the power she had over other trolls and how good it felt to take out her violent murder justice on them. And I think that's great. Like we don't, as a fandom, I feel, explore that side of Terezi a lot, and that's a great interpretation because, yeah, she was out there with Vriska killing trolls. She was just doing it for what she considered to be morally right reasons rather than Vriska, who had to kill as many as possible for her ever-hungry lusses. So, Terezi reflecting on this and realizing that, yeah, she had this warped sense of justice, so, like... That doesn't make what she did right. Um, I I think that's really, really interesting. However, uh, here, and actually it was was only previously, whenever she was having her, her breakdown about society and everything, we got this vague mention that she didn't care so much about how Vriska hurt her. She more cared about how Vriska hurt their friends. But after that line is uttered, we never hear shit about the friends again. And it's only focusing on how she and Vriska hurt each other and hurt others with each other. It's it's no longer like the whole thing started because how Vriska crossed a line um, that 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 Terezi saw and that Aradia saw and that others saw and, and and pushed or like not pushed Tavros but like mind controlled Tavros to jump off a cliff. Like we don't get the context. Of, of why Vriska, like, did wrong stuff. We only have this context of, of what Terezi and Vriska did to each other, and there's no other wrongs mentioned outside of that. And so Reader takes Terezi to Vriska, and they apologize, and they forgive each other, and they make plans to dismantle the government together, which is great. But again, like, this forgiveness just rings hollow because Reader still doesn't know about Aradia and Tavros. No one's mentioned them. No one's talked about what Vriska's done wrong. Like, from Reader's perspective, all Vriska has done wrong is killed kids to feed her lusses, and maybe something vaguely to Terezi that Terezi was also culpable in. But neither the reader nor the fandom at large thinks Vriska is evil for having to feed kids to her lusses to survive. Like, sure, there are probably some people out there who feel that way, but in general, in conversations surrounding Vriska and Vriska's morality, the fact that she had to kill kids to survive and not die while this lusses was in her head telling her how hungry she was and... Uh, as revealed in the last Pester Quest, which, you know, if we take that as canon, also telling her how worthless she was. Like, yeah, that we get it. That's gray morality, I guess, but that's stuff we're all on board with. And then as far as blinding Terezi, like, yeah, that's not great, but I don't see that brought up as often in conversations about Vriska's morality because it sucked again, but it's not... 
it's not like the other stuff she's done, and they really only discuss it when talking about the harm Vriska and Terezi cause each other in their complicated relationship. Terezi isn't who Vriska harms the most. I mean, I guess that could be argued if you think about it, because they both cause each other a lot of harm, and it's really unhealthy relationship that needs to be worked on a lot, and that's, I'm not here to talk about Vrisrezi. I'm just here to say that in context of Vriska's wrongdoings, it's weird to leave out. It's weird, it's wrong, it's, I mean, I say it's wrong, that sounds like a moral thing, but it's not, you're not getting the full picture if you leave out Tavris and Aradia, the stuff that her entire, like, the entire argument about Friska's morality revolves around. So the fact that we have an arc for Friska's forgiveness before Reader even knows what she really did wrong is wild to me. Like this would be, I'm not saying that, that it's, it's bad that Terezi forgives Vriska. I'm saying this should have happened way later. This should have happened after we talked to Aradia and Tavros. This should have happened after Reader has context for what's going on. Just like I think the whole spiel in, in Vriska's route about how, like, she feels shitty about things and how uh, people don't like her and stuff. That didn't belong there either because, again, the only thing Reader knows she did wrong is she fed kids to her lusses to survive. I just think that this is premature. And I really hope that we do get a deep discussion about this or at least a good mention or something in Aradia and Tavris's routes because it's just, it's wild to have her forgiven before we even know the worst of what she's done at this point in her life. But that's still talking way more about Friska than I intended to on a Equius and Terezi route, but I guess that's bound to happen. So to wrap it all up, I'll go back to the issue that was mentioned to me that I think really summarizes why I'm a bit disappointed in Terezi's route, despite the very good writing. Terezi's endings reflect how she is in Homestuck proper and not in a very good way. In this route, her choices are Vriska, Gamzee, or Death. And I remember someone talking about how Kanaya's route seems to revolve around her relationships instead of just her as a person. And that's kind of similar here. We're just going back to the same patterns she had in Homestuck proper, where she died and she, in a worse state, got high with Gamzee, and that was horrible. And in her best state, which is still not great, is her relationship with Vriska is the focus. And I love this Rezi as much as the next person. And while Pastor Quest Vriska is written with much more openness and self-reflection than retcon Vriska from Homestuck proper, it still feels very limiting for Terezi's character that despite everything, those are still her three options. But again, I overall really, really liked both of these routes. And Equis's route was really nice, especially after Gamzee's. And it kind of renews my hope for Aridin's route. 
I really hope we get Nepeta soon so Meow Rails can finally flourish. And I hope Friska's wrongdoings aren't, you know, overlooked in order to keep in step with what, again, I believe to be a premature forgiveness arc when we get to Tavros and Aradius routes. I am definitely looking forward to see what routes get announced today or if you're a patron listening to this uh, Wednesday. Also, next week is my last week of my break month. So uh, I have I have stuff coming up. I can't wait to tell you some of the exciting stuff. And, and yeah, so look forward to that. And I will see you guys next week. This podcast's theme is Dirty Dirt Kenny and was created by Domi, who could be found on SoundCloud as Domino Thief. The art for the podcast was done by Abby, who you can find on Twitter at Space Arby's. Unless it wasn't. Shout out to my patrons, Kansas Just Got Gayer and Jacob King. To become a patron and get episodes up to five days early, along with other benefits, go to patreon.com slash sociallyanxiousdragon and sign up for as little as $1 a month. You can find links to that and more in the episode's description, on the podcast's Twitter, JaxDoesHS, or on JaxDoesHomestuck.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes and share with your friends. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to be a little selfish. <laughs>